two hours. Two hours and 140 bucks. Today's episode comes down to that, really. Two hours and 140 bucks. I never intended for The Lawless Files to become a podcast that highlights how mothers of victims are mistreated or disrespected by law enforcement. Today we're going to hear from a mother from Butler County, a county south of Madison and Scott counties in the Missouri Boot Hill. This mom's name is Connie Goodwin, and we'll be sharing that interview here in a minute. But before we play that interview, I want to talk about this issue that just keeps popping up. This is a hypothetical question for you to think about. What kind of treatment does the mother of a victim deserve? I'm talking about the mother of someone who has died, whether of suicide, murder, whatever. And another hypothetical. Whose job should it be to retrieve a body after a homicide? And one more. Would you, as a taxpayer, ever complain if any county department office spent two hours and paid 140 bucks to help a mother retrieve what was left of her son? In Madison County, we've talked to Barb Hall, who law enforcement will no longer talk to because she spoke to the media about detectives' apparent refusal to investigate records of her son's cell phone and Facebook activity, a case that officers say is closed despite the fact that Barb's son called 911, complained that his friend was threatening him, and was never seen alive again. I've interviewed Doug Teal's mother, also from Madison County who has had people tell her that her son was beaten to death and placed on the highway to be hit by traffic to cover up a homicide. She can't get the time of day. We have Erica Lotz, mother of Durante Martin, who was told that her son's case is closed even though a grand jury ruled it a violent death, not a homicide, during a coroner's inquest. All of these moms are begging law enforcement to investigate their son's deaths. All of them are now doing the investigation themselves. As far as incredulity goes, Connie Goodwin's story may top them all. When it came to recovering her son's body from a small lake in Bollinger County, officials there couldn't be bothered. Connie waited more than five years after begging and begging. She couldn't stand it anymore. Her boy was at the bottom of that lake. She simply wanted to get his remain. Her son didn't belong in the bottom of that muddy pond, held there by barbed wire and concrete blocks. I'm a soft-hearted person. I've been interviewing people about their lives for more than two decades. I've talked to a lot of grieving folks, a lot of people who have shared heartbreaking stories. I'm usually so intent on listening that I keep my emotions in check. Twice in my journalism career, which spans some 27 years, have I shed tears during an interview. One was about 20 years ago or so, when a mama explained in great detail to me how one of her newborn triplets died in her arms after a difficult pregnancy. The other happened this past Friday when I talked to Connie Goodwin of Butler County, Missouri. I'm your host. Bob Miller, you're listening to The Lawless Files.
Within two hours of pumping, we seen our son's leg bones sticking up out of the water. You know, the only thing you do when you sub pump, you just stand there and you wait to fill the the sub pump up with gas to get it going again. I mean, it's not like you're standing there pumping yourself. That's what it does. You know, so I mean, how much manpower did that take? We're here with Connie Goodwin. Connie, thank you so much for joining us on the, the Lawless Files. You know, I've done these types of interviews a number of times with uh, different mothers of uh, victims, and it's always kind of difficult to to talk about everything that's gone on. But I appreciate so much that you're you're willing to talk about uh, the the things that you've gone through. So, um, thank you. I'm very appreciative of you uh, joining me today. Thank you. This all started with your um, the death of your son. And before we get too much further, this is a case that's been, quote unquote, solved. It's, you know, um, we, we have convictions of the people responsible for your son's death, but it, it's taken a lot of twists and turns. Can you tell us a little bit about your son and where he was at in life and uh, the kind of uh, person that he was? Yes, my son. His name was Edward Goodwin, Edward A.C. Goodwin. He was 32 years old. He had two children, a son and a daughter, uh, and he loved very much, and they loved him. Um, and he was real close to his kids. He was close to his family. He had a big heart. He, he was like a mama's boy. Um, he would just do anything for anybody. He was a hard worker, um, and he had his faith in God. So he was a... Uh... I think you told me last night he he uh, laid tiles for a living. Is that right? Yes, yes, yes. He had his own business of laying tile, and he was basically like a professional at it. He would take out a tub and you know put in a whole brand new walk-in shower and um, floors, back fla- back flashes. You name it, he could do it. And everybody was always you know happy with his work and. And everything all around Papa Bluff area, Van Buren area, everywhere. You know, he could. He was always working, busy all the time, and that's he was on a job site at this time too. Whenever all this here happened, yeah. So let's he didn't talk. Get to finish that job. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. What happened on the day that uh, that he uh, disappeared and and was last seen alive? He was. Uh, he was at work, and the guy that, that he had working for him, Eldred Smith at the time, mm-hmm. he had fired him the prior Saturday. Um, but this here was on a Monday, and I don't know the phone call conversation or anything, but um, supposedly Edward called Eldred, and Eldred showed up there, and then they left. But Edward never came back. Okay, so... Eldred was working for or or with your son, Edward, and Edward had fired him days earlier. Am I getting that right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. The Saturday so they, before. Yeah. Okay. So something had happened a few days before. T- tell us again exactly what happened. What was his name again? Eldred? Okay. Eldred Smith. Yes. Eldred Smith. Eldred Smith picked up my son at a local, at a job site 
here okay. in Popper Bluff, Butler County. And he took him to a remote area. And supposedly, he's told Butler County Sheriff's Department that he took him to a remote area and they, uh, he had him beaten and killed. But he didn't tell Butler County Sheriff's Department where. Okay, so when uh, tell us when this was. It was June 29, 2015. Okay, so back in 2015, in June. So, Eldred, is that, is that what he was known known by, or is L, or how do people? Well, he went by E. He went by E L. Oh, E L. Yeah. Okay. E L. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So he he basically told police that he had killed him, but wouldn't say where. Is that yes. what you're saying? Okay. Yes. So this was early on in the investigation. It was uh, on a Tuesday after the murder, the day of the, after the murder. Okay. Okay. So um, you would think uh, with with that kind of information. Okay. No, excuse. No, well, excuse me. No, I had that wrong. It was uh, July the seventh when they, that they were told. Okay, so a few. July the seventh. And you know, days later. Yes. Yeah. So you would think that something like that would result in a uh, an immediate arrest. Is that what happened? No. Well, it didn't in a way, and it didn't. Uh, what happened was ever we had a, we always have a barbecue, and whenever it didn't show up, we didn't see him for days, and whenever he didn't show up for sure on July the fourth and didn't pick up his daughter, uh, we knew there was something seriously wrong. We contact my daughter. She contact uh, AT and T, and you know explain to the lady that you know that uh, you know we we've been trying to find her you know her brother. And couldn't find him. And she gave him give us some numbers and a couple of phone numbers that his phone has been texting. So we called the numbers and nobody would answer the phones, you know, phone calls. But then I text this one phone number that uh, and it was a girl in cake. She re replied back and I asked her, did she remember getting a text message on July the 3rd? And she said, yes. And I asked her, I said, by any chance, do you still have it on your phone? And she looked at her phone and she said, yes. And I asked her, would she screenshot it to me? And she did. And it said that, uh, he, you know, he said, this is EL. And she said, who is this? And he said, this is EL again. And she said that, that she don't know him. And who is he looking for? And that was the end of the text messages. That's, that's really interesting. I want to just kind of double down on that just to review what you just said there. So you, you're really worried about him. He didn't show up for Fourth of July. Then he didn't go pick up his daughter. So you're you're not you know at that point something's not right. So you go to the phone company. They give you some phone numbers of who he was calling. And at this point, you're just trying to figure out where he's at. And so this phone, it, whoever responds to this phone is El, and it's not your son. Right. So so he so he has possession of your son's phone exactly right. okay so that's like big alarm bells going off that doesn't seem right so then so so what happens next okay july the 5th after you know after the, july 4th 
we uh I called and made a missing persons report of my son. I gave the deputy the information that I've this you know that we discovered. Uh, and then the next day they went to Everett's job site and Eldred Smith was working using my son's tools and all that stuff. Basically Eldred was like a gopher. You know, I mean he really he didn't know you know, he knows the steps, but he didn't he wasn't good at it like my son. Mm-hmm. And anyway, he was basically basically like a gopher guy, you know, help helpful. Well, anyway, when Butler County got there to Richie Morris's house, where on the job site, um, they checked Elder Smith and they found my son's SIM card in an older phone. That you know, I don't know what he did with Everett's phone because he just bought that phone two you know two weeks prior. When I know because I took him. Um, but El- the SIM card was inside Eldred Smith's phone. He was using it, calling out, but he wasn't accepting calls unless it was numbers that he knew. And uh, and they took him. To, they took Eldred to Butler County Sheriff's Department for questioning. And then Eldred Smith broke down and told Sheriff Dobbs and Detective Huddleston that he had his friend killed. That he picked him up, took him to a remote area, and he was beaten and killed but never would say he was going to work with Butler County to get the other person involved. And then he got scared and he stole a truck pickup truck at a local bar in Fisk, Missouri. And then whenever he wasn't, didn't show up to with Butler County, then Butler County issued out a warrant for his arrest. And then uh, a couple of days later nights that he was uh, in Shannon County, Missouri it's west of Popper Bluff. He was uh, walking down the road. It was late at night, like in the middle of the night. A highway patrol pulled him over or, you know, stopped him. And they radioed him in and, and showed that he had a warrant. Well, then he was transferred back to Butler County Sheriff's Department for questioning stuff. And they went ahead and arrested him on stealing the vehicle. Okay. And then he, he lawyered up. And he stopped talking. He didn't want to cooperate with the police over Edward. So it was like, you know, Edward's situation was like a standstill, you know, for like a couple months. Wow. There for a little bit. So at that point. And we would hear. I'm sorry. So at, that, so at that point, we've got a, a, a guy who's basically confessed to the murder. He is kind of in possession of the phone or at least the SIM card of the phone. And he's driving around with your son's tools. Um, so right. that in itself is pretty strong evidence. Um, but what, but what you're, you're saying is, is he wouldn't give up the location of the body. And I guess, you know, I guess that's right. a big problem if you're doing a, a homicide investigation. Right. Yeah. And okay. Then he got, he got he went he went through all his court proceedings and then he got put on placed on probation and um this was going on within these he got going on, on within these, go ahead i'm sorry he got put on probation for the stealing the vehicle yes so yes. why why was oh. he allowed out when he was also a suspect in a murder you tell me that i don't yeah. know okay okay and then uh, around the first part of October, first week of October of 2017, um, 
he got pulled over, him and his girlfriend got pulled over on East 60. And he had marijuana on him. And he was he was brought in for a, a probation, vi- probation violation due to that, you know. So then they, he got sent to prison for like, I think it was like six to seven months. And then uh, he got, you know, got released after that. But during that time when he was in jail, that 1st of October of 2017, I had a, a friend help me, you know, do some searching because, you know, from ever since it never went missing, I mean, we didn't just stop. I mean, we kept searching every day, you know, every weekend we would go on log, logging roads. We would go to search wells. We would go uh, out in the country, you know, just, just anywhere possible you can go. You know, investigating stories that we've heard from certain, you know, certain people. A friend of mine, he messaged me about five thirty in the morning, and it was the October the fifteenth of two thousand seventeen. He said, "Connie, I think I know wherever was at. I think we just, I just found out wherever was at." And I said, "Okay." And he told me a little bit about it. He said he had an audio of this guy talking, and said that, uh, you know, that ever was placed in a pond. Okay, so let me pa- let me let me pause you real quick. So this is 2017. This is about two years after the murder, right? Yes. And and yes. so and so far, no one has been held accountable for this murder. Correct. Correct. Um, everybody pretty much knows who did it, and there's solid evidence that he did it. But you have no location of the body. So in October, you get a phone call from someone and says, you know, I, I think we found out where Edward might be. It's at, it's at this pond. So so take it from there. Yes. Well, I uh, I, told, I asked him, I said, well, can you meet me at Butler County Sheriff's Department at eight o'clock in the morning? And he said, yes. Well, he, he was up there at eight o'clock. We sat there in my vehicle to listen to the audio, and then I transferred it to my phone, and then I tra- then I made a copy, and then I sent it elsewhere. Um, that way, because I wanted a copy, I, in case I didn't get my phone back. And anyway, we all walked into Butler County Sheriff's Department. Mark Dopp is there, and I think Wesley Pops and Charlie Phelps, another deputy. Anyway, we all began to, I just told him what, you know, what we uh, come about. And anyway, he listened to it, and then he just up and said, you know, I want three copies of that, you know. And I said, I don't have a problem with that. So I handed, handed him my phone, and he they went and they took copies of it. Whenever they come back with my phone, he then he began to tell me that he can't, he don't believe uh, this boy just stating all this um, because he's a liar and he's a drug head and all this kind of stuff, you know. And then Mark Dobbs asked me that I should go ahead and delete all that on my phone, but I didn't do it. And uh, so two weeks had passed, and, and in the audio, the boy states where Edward's location would be and Ricky Hurt's name involved with Eldred Smith. Okay, and, so, so uh, Ricky Hurt's is a new name here. Um, who Who is... Who is Ricky Hertz? Did he know your son? Yes. Well, basically, they grew up together, elementary school and up. Okay. You know, as, as adults, and you know, and at one point in time, years back, you know, Ricky Hurt 
was Edward's helper too, laying tile work. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay, but that was what was in the audio. So, but I waited two weeks to find out if he was taking that audio serious. And I seen that he wasn't. I seen, uh, then I sent him a message and I told him, I said, I see that you're not taking that uh, audio uh, seriously. And I told Mark that I, this is what I'm in the process of doing. I'm wanting to get, I'm getting uh, John Boats, Dragon Gear, whatever it takes. If, you know, the search up pond is going to be done. He replied back to me, no, 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 real fast. And he told me to call him back, you know, call him as soon as possible. So I did. And at that time, like I said, Eldred Smith was in jail at that time because he broke his probation. He was in right. Butler County Jail. All right. Then after that, November the 2nd, they broke the levee at the pond, at the small lake. And um, and when they drained it, they found 40% of my sons. They found a femur bone. Uh, two femur bones, and then they found his hip bones and a couple of rib bones, and I think a collarbone. And then after that, you know, it was well, they called it 40 percent. And they, it, it took a while to get those uh results back that it was my son's remains, it was like two years. And it, it took it uh, took two years to get the results back, is that what you're saying? Yes, okay, it took, but yeah, pretty... they were sent to Texas. You, but you pretty much knew, right? That yes, okay. yes. Okay, and then uh, and then Mark Dobbs he 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 promised that you know if they didn't drain the the pond completely. There was at least four to five feet of water in it. Uh, probably it was like one hundred and twenty feet long by ninety to one hundred feet wide, and that that water stayed in that pond after they drained it. Me and my husband we went over there. And we dug it like a two-foot trench. That way, if the water ever gets so high, you know, it would run off, you know, instead of just keep building back up. Mm -hmm. So, anyway. Uh, um, so, now that they found the body, it, that was the only piece missing, right, from the um, from the EL charges? Yes. What, did charges come soon yes. after that? Uh, yes. Eldridge Smith got first-degree charges, and then on the... I think on the 8th or the 9th of November, they charged Ricky Hurt for first-degree murder as well. Okay, and so that was all due to the tip that you got through your, I guess it was a friend who was helping yes. you? Or... Yes. Okay. Well, according to Mark, according to Mark Dobbs, it wasn't. But let's, let's, just re let's just review what happened there. So someone came forward, a, a, a um, witness came forward, told your friend where they could find your son. Yes, um, even took him to the pond. Yeah, yeah, took him to the pond. So you, you so you had this tip. It really wasn't followed on up on for a couple of weeks. I mean, none of this would have happened had you not brought that forward. That 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 tip came forward through your connections, uh, not not the sheriff's department. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And then you kind of had to you kind of had just to keep on him just to get uh, to get the the pond drained and then so now you got now you have the body so now there's first degree murder charges against EL and against the this other gentleman um so they were both filed uh first degree murder charges right okay so first degree charges against Ricky and EL here so then what happens in the case okay okay 
nobody would say, I mean, it was just like, it was like they had 40% of my son's remains. And it's like, we should have been happy. I mean, yes, yes, I was happy that, you know, part of my son was found. But I wanted the rest of my son. I wanted my son's skull. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted all that could be found. That that pond was not completely drained where they could do some more searching, you know. Uh, but at that time, Mark Dobbs st- stated that he would uh, go back and get a sub pump, you know, well, he don't do it, but I mean, other guys does it. But they would finish the job, drain the rest of that water, and do the rest of the searching to find the rest of my son. He didn't do it. Yeah. So okay? about what? Yeah. So, so when about when was this again in the timeline? This is between two thousand seven November two thousand seventeen is when they broke the levee and they partially drained the pond. Okay. Okay. All the way, all the way up to the trials in August and September, that pond was not touched by Mark by Butler County Sheriff's Department at all. Five years went by. We went through. I mean, I have talked and talked and asked and asked the you know Butler County Sheriff's Department. I've asked the sheriff. I've asked the detectives. I've asked the coroner. I've asked a lawyer to talk to the judge and the only thing and I mean I, I, I've done my research about talking to them and they, they won't talk to me. Finally Mark Dobbs he deleted me on Facebook and blocks me on, on phone calls and on Facebook. I'm I'm sorry. Uh we, we I've talked to different mothers of of victims of people um who who've died unusual deaths or whatever. Um just not being able to get common decency from investigators or sheriffs or i just can't for the life of me understand why it would be such a big deal to to drain the pond and get the rest of the remains of of your son i just don't you know it it just it's it's just seems like again like a bare minimum type of thing um that you're that you're asking for but it just never it just never happened well, what I, what I don't understand is, you know, uh, the sheriff, you know, made statements stating that, that they really don't feel the rest of Everett's remains is in the pond due to coyotes and coyote dens and stuff like that, you know, like, you know, but I don't understand because coyotes ain't going to swim to the bottom of a pond or a lake and get remains out of a pond. Right, you know? right. But for, yeah. them to, for them to tell us that, and then, you know, and they talk about how exhausting it is. Yes, it, I'm, I'm, I know it's exhausting because I was out there and I was doing my searching too, you know. But that day, it was just me, 57 years old, my husband, 64 years old. We're the ones unloaded the pump. It's about the same size of a generator. Connected the hoses, started pumping that water out. We was by ourselves did that. You know, within two hours of pumping, we seen our son's leg bones sticking up out of the water. You know, the only thing you do when you sub pump, you just stand there and you wait to fill the the sub pump up with gas to get it going again. I mean, it's not like you're standing there pumping yourself. That's what it does. You know, so, I mean, how much manpower did that take? Yeah, it it took two hours. You know, that's not too much to ask a public official to do 
but the way they looked at it, that 40% is enough to convict Ricky Hurt and Eldred Smith. So forget about the rest. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I mean, could you actually know that your your child is in a pond and just because they found an arm and a leg, just to leave the rest in there and just go on with your life. Yeah. You know, you can't do it. I'm telling you right yeah. now, you can't do it. You will try to move heaven to hell and earth to get something done. And I didn't have any help. I tried. I called the attorney general's office. Nothing. They can't help me. You know, I talked to the senator's office. They can't help me. You know, it's all. I mean, I don't understand. I mean, oh, what's the okay. point of having. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. What's the point of having public servants if they're not going to do something as as basic as as retrieving a human body that's been found? Um, But did, didn't you get a tip that so the 40 percent is missing or the 40 percent is recovered? The rest of his body is not, but you got a tip later on, right? That where they could find the rest of the the remains? Okay, no. Okay, during the time of 2017 to 2021 was all the way up to the trials. In my heart and my gut, I knew my son was there. I begged and pleaded for five years for them to go ahead and drain that pond and do some searching, but I was let down over excuses, over excuses. Per the law, they thought that no more of my son's remains was in that pond. All the way up to the trial of Ricky Hurt and plea agreements, and the plea agreement for, every, I mean, Ricky Hurt to get 18 years in prison to get his charge less down to second degree murder, he would let, he would tell them where my son's remains would be. Okay. So here we went through five years, no one in, in our hearts where our son, where the rest of his remains are. But yet the law was putting in, in our heads that he's not there. But yet we know we is. We go over there and mow through these five years, go over there and visit, take flowers on his birthday, you know, and then they're going to tell us in court that that would be a smart thing to do to get a plea agreement so that that way we would find the rest of Everett's remains. So so it took two hours to find out. It, it took you two hours and a sump pump to find out the information that a murderer was able to use to negotiate a better deal for a plea deal. That's basically what we're talking exactly. about. So two hours exactly. of work. For not being able to do two, two hours of work, it saved years off of the sentence of um, Ricky Hurt. Um, exactly. But I but guess after, Ricky. After they had, well, we went in, we went to the courthouse. Well, the, the prosecuting attorney called us that Sunday night following the, the trial date. He called us that Sunday night and told us, you know, Ricky Hurt's wanting a plea deal, said that he would, uh, let us know where the rest of the Everett's remains was. Lead them to the gun, um, um, and tell the truth. Okay, and I told the prosecuting attorney. I said, "We just got to think about this." Well, then after that, the next morning, the prosecutor told us we didn't have to be there until about eleven o'clock because of all the jurors. We, and then uh, Casey Proctor, the PA, 
he calls us that morning about eight o'clock and tells us that we need to go ahead and take this here agreement because if we don't, Ricky hurt to walk as early today due to that evidence that they have. Um, and then I told him, I said, well, don't do nothing. We're on our way. We get to the courthouse in Greenville, Missouri. The courthouse was basically empty. There was not one juror in that courtroom. They walked us into this little room, started talking to us, telling us that we need to take this deal, which is plainly to see there's no jurors around. They all went home. You know, they done made the deal. They done made the deal. They didn't leave that deal to us to decide. They did it all on Okay. Then started telling us that Ricky Hurt lost his, you know, his family, his farm, which was a two-acre lot with two older mobile homes on it. But it was made out to look like that he had a farm. Uh, and that really ticked me off that Mark God to say to that. And I told him, I said, you know, what did ever lose? He lost his life. He lost his kids. He lost his family. You know, the, or his family lost him, his kids. Yeah, you no know, comparison. and it's just like, yeah. Exactly. And then after the after they did this after they did this uh, the court he pled guilty of a second degree murder and got and then they went ahead and sentenced him the same time for eighteen years. Then Mark Dobbs and a couple of deputies took him in the back room behind the the judge and then was back there by like thirty minutes and then he comes out and he said Edward's in the pond in the deep end. In the deep end. But then Mark Dobbs stated that we would have the rest of my son, they would sub-pump the rest of that water, and that was in 2021, August, that, of September of 2021, that they would set, go ahead and sub-pump that water, and we would have our son's remains within two weeks. And that didn't happen. You've got what what sounds like kind of a rushed, rushed justice there in this plea deal um, where Ricky Hurt, pleads down to second degree murder now he was he's pleaded down in exchange for sharing information such as the weapon location where the rest of edward's body was left and, and some other information and then we have right. el on the other side now he's also pleaded down to second degree uh what what was he willing to give up in exchange for that testify against Ricky Hurt, the witness stating that he's the one seen Ricky Hurt shoot my son. Okay. And so that kind of brings us back to what you were talking about a little bit ago, which was um, motive. This, according to statements that were made, um, this was over some sort of love triangle type situation where Yes. You know, uh, and and you don't know if that's true or not, but that's that's basically what was what what was said. That was yes. However, that's not what the sheriff said in in a media report. Is that? Am I remembering right. that right? Yes, he jumped to the. He was telling the news reporters that it was over a, a bad 
drug transaction. You know, uh, I mean, I know Edward smoked marijuana. Um, I mean, if it was a drug transaction, it doesn't matter what kind of transaction or what it was. It still doesn't give Ricky Hurt and Eldridge Smith the right to take my son and murder him and leave him in a pond to rot for seven years. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that pretty much goes without saying. No one ever has, there's just no, there's just, there's just no excuse for something like that. But was it, was this a calculated killing? Was it premeditated or was it heat of the moment? Do we know any of those details? I'm sure it was a premeditated murder. Yeah, because they, not only did they shoot him, they also wrapped him in barbed wire connected to the uh, concrete blocks right and there was no charge extra there was no extra charges at all for all that a lot of times whenever you see you know somebody gets arrested for murder that you know a first degree murder there's other charges added on you know like steps that they took premeditated uh uh leaving you know a body yeah Um, you know what I'm saying? I mean, armed, it just armed criminal, just armed criminal action almost always, you know. Right. And then right. you have, you have the fact that he stole some of uh, Edward's tools and was using them. You know, it just yeah. seems like there could yeah. have been more than that. That I, I'm sure that's disappointing to you. The yeah. the sentences that yeah, they got. We, we didn't get all, we didn't get all of my son's tools. We got some of them. The owner of the guy uh, of the place of the house. You know, he, he told Elwood was going to take the, uh, he told us, he said, Elwood was going to take that wet saw. And he said, no, he ain't going to take that wet saw because he knows that's Ed's. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there's but, a lot of stuff that he did take. But we got one guy for 18 years, another for 12, right? Right. Yeah. And I'm during sure. the four years, during the, uh, during the, that time, all that jail time that they was in jail waiting for, the trial and they kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it, you know, getting on change of venues and all that kind of stuff. You know, that was like four years already automatically taken off at the time, you know, they used it as time served. So really basically Ricky Hurt got uh, 14 years because he already had, he already had four already when he was sitting in Butler County jail. Oh, oh man. Okay. So, I, I guess it was bittersweet for you. Can you kind of tell me the emotions of of when these guys were sentenced? What, wh- how did you feel about that? Was there some sort of like, was it all disappointment, or was there some like satisfaction at like, all? It was no, it was disappointment because it was like you know they murdered, my, they murdered my son, you know, and got away with it. I mean, you know, for all these years, and then. We went through the five years, the two years not knowing where he was at, and then another five years in the back of our minds and our stomachs and our hearts, knowing where the rest of him's at and still can't get the rest of him. And then wait all the way up to the trial and get told that if we can't do these here plea agreements, therefore, you know, we'll never ever find Edward. And then do the plea agreement. And then that's where our son's at, exactly where he was at in the first place, where they found the rest of the 40%. Yeah, it, 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 I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it seems like if you're going to 
get a plea deal, you get plea deal on one of them to snitch on the other. And in this case, both of them got plea deals. So you would, you would kind of think that EL would, if he was, if he was given the deal to turn on, um, yeah, he, he didn't have to he didn't have to do nothing he just he got he goes 12 years you know because they didn't use it they yeah. didn't use him but he still got it yeah I, know, I i i questioned that yeah. i questioned that and it's like you know well you know he was going to if if we needed him you know but that's like that pond you know back in 2015 in july mid-july butler county got a search warrant and they searched the field adjoining beside the pond but they never did search the pond at that time. You know, that's where my son's phone last pinged. It was right there in that area. And they, like I said, they searched the, the field, but not the pond. Now, you okay, think so, the so pond let's, would be the first place to go let, to. Let me pause you there because that's something we hadn't talked about yet. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, so the phone company had already basically let you know that his body was in that I mean, the, the phone had pinged from that area. So he was in that area. Yes. And yet they yes. still, okay. So, and they searched the area, but they didn't, they just decided not to search the pond at that time. I guess this was, this was early on, right? Right. 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 This was yeah. in 2015. Did they, so that was in 2015. And then, so the, the pond was drained for when they found the 40% of his body. That was in, that was two years later. Yeah. 2017. Right. So I don't know. Um, uh, I, I mean, I'm sorry you had to go through all this. This, um, you know, I can I can understand your disappointment because not only have they taken your son's life. They took our whole family's life for the past seven years. And, well, and you yeah, had I'm to sorry. go you had to go through all of this torch, like mental torture of just exactly the, where the body was it was just such emotional anguish um mm-hmm. that it, it just 12 12 and 18 years just doesn't doesn't seem enough for all of that okay no. the reason this case i i wasn't really aware of this case um mm-hmm. it's in popper bluff the popper bluff area um i'm up here in, in jackson it's about what 45 minutes away from where i live I wasn't, yes. this wasn't, this wasn't top of mind for me, but what, what, it, when I found out about the case was when we, we found out that you had to end up draining the pond yourself to look for your own son's body. And that, <clears throat> and that ended up happening just, uh, I don't know, a handful of weeks ago, right? Yes. It's September the 17th. Yes. So a little over a month ago. Um, yes. So walk us through that process. You at this point, you know where his body is because uh, Ricky Hurt has said that he's at the deep end of that pond. You yeah. have you have begged and you've pleaded with all with the sheriff and all of these other for five years. Yeah, for five years you you have begged for somebody to help you retrieve the remains of your son, and it just isn't happening. And you just finally say fine i'll do it myself so you go and right. you rent you go and you rent this uh sub pump um and as yeah. you said earlier it took two hours so <clears throat> did you 
did you know right away like when the the bones that you saw did you know right away what you were seeing yes i mean as soon as i seen the bones you know because uh in, in the plea deal ricky hurt said that you know there'd be concrete blocks and barbed wire you know and i mean the water come down and then my son's bones were sticking up out of the water and then a little bit more pumping, you know, probably about like 45 minutes. And then you started seeing barbed wire and then the concrete blocks. And it's like, we knew, you know, what it was. Okay. Uh, so so at that point, just, at that point, it's just you and your husband out there, correct? With the sump pump? Yes. And my grandson, which is Edward's son, he's 22. He, he showed up about 10 o'clock. And then my other daughter, she showed up at, uh, I think, probably about like 1030 something like that so you have you have and, your uh, you're, you have your family out there and they're oh my goodness correct they're retrieving they're retrieving the remains um did you get the the officials uh involved at any point like i don't i don't even know what you would have to do in a situation like this if they're not helping you did you call, did you call the coroner or i called the coroner after we got all the water taken out I didn't tell nobody what we was doing, when we was doing it, or anything like that. But I did let them know months ago that if it takes me to do it, we're going to do it. And I guess they didn't believe what I said. But uh, my husband, he went and rented the sub pump on September the 16th. He picked it up at 3 o'clock, 3 p.m. 8 o'clock Saturday morning, we was at the pond. It took us 30 minutes to set the, the pump up. By, like I said, by 10.30, we seen my son's bones about like, it was like two inches sticking up out of the water. I mean, it's just like, bam, like here I am. And I told my husband, I said, let's just keep on pumping and get all the water up. But I did call the corner. And whenever he come out, I mean, he was there within 10 minutes. And when he got there, he uh, confirmed what we found. And then we were standing there and he started taking off his shoes and his socks. And this mud, it was like anywhere to like two foot, at least two foot deep. And it's real thick mud where, I mean, you can't hardly walk through it. When you sink down, you can't even move. Which we took a kayak out there and uh, my grandson did, brought his kayak. And we was standing there just thinking, you know, what, or my grandson, he he was the lightest one to get on the kayak and, you know, go out there and then bring parts in. And it's like, no, we can't do that. Then my grandson, he takes off like in a running round stance, going around to the area where, my, you know, my son's bones was. And then Jim Akers, he takes off and he goes running. And it's like they met, and then I grabbed the rope, and then I went around to the, on, on the other side of the pond, and I pulled them the kayak. That way they can load, you know, the concrete box and my son's remains in the in the kayak. Yeah, and, I mean it was uh, it was dramatic. Um, I mean, I was at the side of the pond, and my grandson was right there on top of it, handling his daddy's remains. 
Oh. Uh, putting them in the boat. Even to this day, I, I talked to his girlfriend early this morning and he talked to me. He said, Grandma, he goes, I think I'm going to have to get something. You know, he says, I, you know, for his nerves and stuff. He said, because I keep having nightmares. And I told him, I said, you know, you're going to have to stop and think about it as, as a different way. You know, you was your daddy's hero. You it's, helped bring him up from the mud. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's just, I'm getting emotional here just listening to it. I'm sorry. <clears throat> um, it's just too much. That's too much to expect a family to have to put on their own shoulders. And shame on your elected officials. Shame on the officials down there. I don't care who it was. I don't care if it was the county commission. I mean, obviously, shame on the sheriff. But it's just too much to expect a family, sorry, to take that upon themselves and have to dig their own son, their own father out of the mud. It's just not right. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, um, it... It shouldn't have happened and people need to know about it. I mean, frankly, just people need right. to know and they they need to remember it. Well, that that, that day after we after that day, after we uh, pulled Gage pulled ever the shore of the kayak, um, you know, Jen asked me, you know, he said, have I talked to Mark? And I said, no. And he kind of looked at me a little funny. And I thought, you know, what? Why? Because you know? I didn't talk to no one. The last time I talked to Mark was. I sent him a message and he said that he don't know when he's going to be able to give me any news about the pond. And then next thing I know, that same day, he blocked me. After Jim left and my husband, he hauled the blocks to uh, his shop. Th that same evening, Jim called me and he asked me, he said, you know, there's just something weighing on him. He said, you remember me asking you, did you talk to uh, Mark Dobbs yet? I mean, yeah, earlier, and I said, yeah, and I said, I was wondering what, what that was all about. He said, well, because Mark Dobbs uh, called him at 439. Well, he said Mark Dobbs called him and asked him, told him to give, basically give him the go-ahead that if anything that was um, pertaining that pond, you know, he's in charge of it. Unless if he was there and he's seen another body or whatever, then they would come to the pond. But they wasn't going to come to the pond if anything was pertaining towards Edward Goodwin. Yeah. Okay. Because basically it was like basically it was like the case was closed. After they got their convictions, mm -hmm. the case was closed. Um, yeah, you know, and I, anyway, I, I, I get that. I understand that. That but, you know, if you're going by the book, the case is closed. They don't need to investigate it anymore. Whatever. That's that's fine. But there's a, there's right. a, re but there's a reality here, a humanity aspect. How much did it yeah. how much did it cost you to rent that sump pump? About four, one hundred forty eight dollars, one hundred forty eight dollars and two hours of time is all it would have taken the sheriff's department or the county. Two hours and one hundred forty something bucks is all it would have taken. And it could have been done any time in a five-year span or even going back further than exactly. that. You know, it's, exactly. it's just, um, 
I don't know that I, I I've covered government as a as a journalist for a long time. I have 24 years of journalism experience, but some of that was in sports, you know, but I've covered local government for a long time. I don't know that I've ever seen such an egregious. Um, I don't know, just a lack of humanity here. I'm so sorry this happened to you. I saw I, I saw videos of it um, that you posted or, or they were circulating on, on social media. And I just I couldn't believe it then. And I still can't believe it now. Everybody who pays taxes is probably on your side right now in terms of this shouldn't have been hefted upon you. So so what happened with the body? Uh, so you, you um, the the parts that were recovered, including the skull and, you know, um, I guess the most of the rest of his body, they were given to the uh, coroner. Is that right? Yes. Uh, after Gage and uh, his grandpa pulled the kayak up on the bank, uh, Jim Makers, he went and got a body bag. And then he was getting the every body parts out of the, the kayak and then putting them in the body bag, kind of like laying them out where they would go towards the body. Uh, and I mean, it was just like, it was phenomenal thinking, you know, that, you know, that we found that much and everything. And, uh, um, and then Jim Akers, he took, he asked me, did I want him to call a hearse to come out there to pick up Everett? And I told him, no. I said, if he, you know, if he can ride with him, that's fine with me. He said he can. And so he, he rode with Jim Akers to his office. And then my husband, he hauled the concrete blocks and the barbed wire for him for evidence for later because he asked for it um and then it was just like it was just like a a real quiet moment you know me and my daughter and my grandson we stayed there at the pond you know because the sub pump was there and we you know stayed there for a while and it was just like it was just like an empty lonely feeling then it was totally different feeling than what it was when I, other times that i've been there it's like when i'd go there i would know i'd felt ever's presence and then whenever ever left that day i felt that you know he just he just he was gone he wasn't there no more I know that's hard to explain or people to understand, but it's the truth. It's easy to understand and then it's impossible to understand all at the same time. You know, mm -hmm. you just don't want to abandon your son at the bottom of a pond. Right. You know, right. that's, I mean, I think everyone can understand that. So uh, were you able to lay him to rest then or? Um... Yes. Yes. I, I had to. Due to the circumstances and everything, I had him cremated and I brought him home. And he's here with me now. He's on top of the fireplace. Well, that's, that's where he will stay. Silver lining there, I guess. You know, he's with you now and you worked so hard, um, fought so hard to get him back. So, all right. Well, uh, is there anything else like this? <clears throat> this is one of the more emotional <laughs> interviews I've ever done. Um, is there anything else you want uh, people to know about what happened? Or anything you want to well, know about Edward? Yes, I, 
Yes, I want people to know that Mark Dobbs knew that we was at the pond that day. You know, do you have I haven't any, heard from, any explanation yeah. of why he just didn't take care of this? I mean, no, Evan. I, I feel that that as back in 2017, I felt just because they found his hip bones and then what bones that they did find that day, it was enough to you know do their conviction. After they got their conviction, what they wanted to get done, you know, basically held with the rest. It's it, but you know, but but as being the parent, you know, you gotta stop and think: Are you gonna let your son or your child be basically half yeah. of their body be in there, and then the other half just leave it alone and just go on with life? You can't do it. You yeah. can't do it. Yeah. And I won't do it. You know. Yeah. Well, Connie, thank you so much for spending this time with me and, and, and talking to me about things that are so personal. Um, I'm always humbled and grateful when, when um, people agree to do that. So thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Connie. Edward Goodwin's mother rented a sump pump for 140 something bucks. It took a couple of hours to drain that pond. Gage Goodwin pulled his father's bones from the mud, working in tandem with the coroner. Gage pulled out the concrete blocks and the barbed wire that was tied around them. Edward Goodwin's parents and sister watched in silence from the bank of that pond. They did that work. They underwent that trauma. They got their hands dirty because their public officials would not. I still can't believe it. Connie took videos and clips of those videos have circulated on social media. Even Nancy Grace, a national true crime celebrity, took notice. On its website, the Butler County Sheriff's Department lists this as its mission statement. The mission of the Butler County Sheriff's Office is to serve the citizens of Butler County by... 1. Being the servant of the courts. 2. Keeping the peace and protecting life and property. 3. Maintaining custody and control of our prisoners in and out of the jail. and 4. Providing law enforcement. The website says, quote, These things must be done in an efficient and effective manner without infringing on anyone's individual rights. This office will conduct itself professionally and with the utmost courtesy to everyone we have contact with. Connie Goodwin had contact with the sheriff's department many, many times. The courtesy shown to her was to ignore her pleas, pleas that I think all of us can understand on a very basic human level. The courtesy shown was to make promises but to never deliver. The courtesy shown was to force this woman to spend 140 bucks on the sump pump. The courtesy shown was to force the victim's son to pull out his father, piece by piece. I'm your host, Bob Miller. Thank you for listening to The Lawless Files. If you'd like to support the work that we're doing here on The Lawless Files, please go to www.thelawlessfiles.com and sign up for the Access Pass. 
or please just share this episode on your social media platforms. The Lawless Files is a production of Leadhound Publishing, LLC. The Lawless Files is written, produced, and hosted by yours truly, Bob Miller. Music by Tyler Grafe.